0: Get right in this. Second Corinthians chapter five. We're talking about the doctrine of judgment. Talked about God as a God of judgment. He's a God of righteousness also. But we're going to talk about one the judgment that's a, actually a good judgment. Um, it's the bema seat. Um, we call it bema seat. And then we've got rewards and crowns. And you know the Bible tells you you're going to get some rewards. The Bible tells you you're going to get some crowns too. You say, why do we do these things? Not of works, lest any man should boast. So you're not going to work your way to salvation. This is after salvation. And this is just for the Christians. And look at, look at your notes, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. You see the word bema in there? That's the word judgment. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And then Romans chapter 14, verse 10 says this, But why dost thou judge thy brother... Or why dost thou not set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before, I see an E missing, before the judgment, Bema, seat of Christ. Okay, so here you've got that, that word judgment again is the, is the Greek word, Bema. And if you look it up, if you have your phone, and I would encourage you if you have an iPhone, I, I like um, Blue Letter Bible. And you can actually click on a verse and then click on it again and it'll let you do all the Greek words. And you'll see when you look at judgment in these two verses, it's saying Bema, B-E-M-A, and it's translated judgment. We'll explain why that is in just a second. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. I I thank you for the the doctrine of judgment. I think of why we do what we do. Why why do you want us to do the things in, in, in Scripture that you ask us to do? And what happens when we do them? There's there's some rewards, and Lord, there's sometimes we do things, and we'll look at those that we do it for the wrong reason. We won't get a reward. Lord, may we understand what what you have for us, what you want us to do, all the way across the board, and we'll understand what the Bible's saying about this, and we'll give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name, Amen. You know, when you look at this, the Bema, it, it, you can actually find some ancient in in Corinth. To, to this day, you'll find some ancient seats, and there were the Bema seats. And people would come there, and a Bema was a judgment seat where a person's deeds were judged, but not in matter of life or death. See, because a Bema seat is going to be for all the Christians. It's going to happen right after the rapture, shortly after the rapture, and we're going to sit before him, and we're going we're to have our... our our works brought in front of him, and he's going to judge those works. How many of you have ever heard that, the wood, hay, stubble? They're going to burn up. That's what this is talking about. This is the bema seat. It's not got anything to do with salvation. Salvation is all, already, already settled, and we'll show you that in the Scriptures with this. The seat, let's look at number one. The seat, God's bema seat, is not a judgment whereby, whereby the sins of Christians are judged or punished. Um, the cross already paid for that And that's what he's talking about there The cross has already paid for that Sins of the Christians were already judged At the cross when Jesus died And so let's look at some of these verses We're going to turn to some of these I want you to follow along There's quite a few verses And of course these are verses that back up What, what this is said And some people will say Well how do you receive uh, Later on we'll get into crowns Where do you get these crowns at in the Bible The Bible clearly states Some of these crowns in here and um, so when you look to First Peter chapter 2 and verse um, t- uh, 21 through 24, here's what it says. It says in verse number 21, let me, it says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who then he was reviled, reviled not again. When he when he suffered, he, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. This is just saying in that last verse that our sins are already taken care of. You say, does that mean that gives you the liberty to sin? No, that's not what it does. When, when, you, and when, Christ, when you become a Christian, what happens? The Holy Spirit indwells you, and that Holy Spirit is your judge. It'll tell you what, it, it, it's your conscience. It's the one that's coming in here and telling you, no, you shouldn't do this. Yes, you should do this. And it's directed by God and His Word. And so we're not, we can't just do whatever we want. I think that's a miserable aspect of being a Christian if you're just going to do whatever you want. We're going to be judged. The Bible says that. The Bema Seat tells us that. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, at the very end, it says, According to what he hath done, whether it be good or bad, God sees through it. Now, we can, we can actually hide some things from people, but God still sees through what we're doing. And thank God that he is a God like that. So we have First um, Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. Now, go to, go to letter B. It says, God's Bema Seat is not a judgment whereby eternal life, or death is determined. And we're going to turn to John chapter 10 on that one. John chapter 10. So eternal life, or death, is determined. So John chapter 10, verse 27 and 28 says this. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Here's the, we've already went at eternal security, and these are verses for eternal security, but they're also for this, saying that those sins were covered, has nothing to do with eternal life. We are at this junction, we've already got eternal life. We're standing before him after the rapture. And so Jesus has already granted eternal life in John chapter 10, 27 and 28. No more condemnation left for the Christians in John 3, 18. Go to John 3, 18. That's not in your notes. You're going to write that down. But here's another verse in here. John 3, 18 says this. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Here it is again, example of what... Um, the Bema Seat's about. The Bema Seat's not about eternal life and death is determined. Letter C. God's Bema Seat will test by fire the rewardable value, if any, of our works. So he's going to look and he's, he's going to be able to see right through us. And they're going to be through the righteousness of God. And he'll, he'll understand who we are. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse, I know we're going through this quick, but I want to get to the rewards and I want you to see these. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 11 through 15 says this. It says, for, for other foundation can no man lay than that, that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, interesting that it says the stones and the precious, the, the, the metal, and then, the, then it says wood, hay, and stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built therein, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. And that, we'll go, go back to that verse in just a second. But the bema seat in this is tested by fire and it looks at our works. Works are equated with wood, hay, and stubble and the wood, hay, and stubble will do what? It'll burn up. You say, well, what does that mean? Works that are done by wood, hay, or stubble. I've heard p- people say about that, talk about that and some people just don't understand what he's saying by that. Well, there's some aspects in this. Um, look at letter A. It's no spiritual value. We do a lot of stuff that has no spiritual value. Let me give you an example. How many of you go, go on vacation? And it's good for you to rest, but in some cases there's no spiritual value to vacation. Right? Other than just getting rest. Now we should still be a witness on vacation. How about recreation? Recreation. Anybody do anything that's recreation that has no spiritual value? I like golfing, but I don't think I'm going to get a reward for it up in heaven. Right? What about, what about fishing? What about whatever your hobby is? Maybe, maybe it's working out. Maybe it's not working out. You know, whatever it is. Some things have no spiritual value. I'm all about watching the kids play sports. How many of you like going to see kids play sports? I do. I like seeing them, how they develop in, into things. But there are some character issues that they get from it. But in most parts, there's no spiritual value. Now, you when you, if you've ever played any type of sport that has physical impact on you, you know what? You have to have some restraint. You have to follow the rules. I understand there's... <laughs> Biblical principles in there, but for the most part, there is no spiritual value with certain things. Activities which fill our lives, they're not wrong, but there's just no values with it. And I've got employment. You know, some of you work, let's say if you work at um, Eastman, you, you might do stuff that is, has no spiritual value whatsoever. That doesn't mean that you don't guard your testimony. Doesn't mean you don't witness if you can. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you're down and you're just working, it's just no spiritual value. Everybody understand that? Relaxation. So I've got some other ones. Social interest, things that you like to do. Shopping. If you're a shopper, you say, do I get any rewards for it? If you did, some of you would get more rewards than others, okay? Amen? How many of you would get a lot of rewards if shopping was there? I'm not talking about grocery shopping. I'm not talking. About, we have a lady that comes and visits us every year. We call her Grandma Joy. She loves to shop, and that's only the week that I think my wife likes to go shopping, and she just goes there to spend time with her. And I know if she sees anything that has golf on it, or if it has a Chicago Cubs sign in the window, we are going in that store. Because she's avid, she's an avid golfer. She likes to golf all the time, and she loves the Chicago Cubs. So she's going to go in there. There is no spiritual value with that, especially if it's a Chicago Cub thing. No spiritual value. Okay, so make sure you understand that there's no spirit, and we're just not. That's going to be wood, hay, or stubble. It's 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 neutral. It's not going anywhere. Look look at the second one. Um, Work's done with the wrong motives. Uh oh. Have you ever done something with the wrong motives? Now, let me ask you this question. Does everybody see your motives? No. Does your spouse? Probably most of the time. Because they know you, right? Um, But most people don't see your motives. And those, those things that are done for the wrong motives, whether how deep that motive is, maybe it's not a surface motive, maybe it's real down deep and you don't really want anybody to know that's going to be burnt up because, because God sees that. He knows our motives. He knows why we friend people, why, we, why we're not close to friends, why we treat this person that way, why we don't treat another person that way. He knows exactly what, what's going on. And he, those are burnt up. Let's look up Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 through 13. Hebrews four twelve and 13 say this, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto his eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now go back to that last verse. It says this, And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God sees our hearts. And through our hearts, He sees our motives. If they're the wrong motives, you're not going to get a reward for it. You're not. And so that's another one. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is a little bit harder harder one to see, but 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number... 16 through 18, 9, 16 through 18. It says this, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Look at that little term right there, for necessity is laid upon me. You're just doing things maybe out of necessity. There's little choice in the matter. You're doing what you, you think you should do. There's, there's, you don't have a lot of different aspects with this. Keep reading, it says, For, for if I do this thing... Willingly I have a reward, but if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. In other words, in, in this, this is an interesting verse, it says, For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward, but if against my will. Okay, let's, let's think about this. How many times your, your parents told you to do something when you were younger and you did it, but your heart really wasn't in it? You really had no choice. How many of you had to take the trash out when you were younger? Alright, how many of you had to wash the dishes? I mean, you just, you just go through all these things and some of them you really didn't have a choice of. that's wood, hay, and stubble. Those are going to be burned up. And so, um, and this is one that's interesting. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Here's another reason why we don't get some rewards. And everybody can see this one. These are, this is mentioned actually three times in this chapter. Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. Now watch this. It says, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Watch this. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, in the streets, that they may, glo- may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. They're doing it to be seen. Go to the next one in verse number five. Here it is again. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the street that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. You know what's interesting? When you study Israel, what is one of the big, big big places that they talk about? The Wailing Wall. And what are people doing? They're going up there and they're being seen of men. And usually it's vain repetition. Over and over and over again. They have their reward. God says, listen, you know when you should pray? Keep reading it. It says, but thou when thou prayest... Enter to the closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and the Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. See, if you're doing things to be seen, God knows that. God knows that. There's another one in in this same chapter, verse number 16. Verse number 16 says, Moreover, when ye fast... Be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces. (laughs) I love that little part. They disfigure. What are you doing? Nothing. I'm starving myself just to pray over things. I I always think of this. We had a guy that came in and he was, I I think he was a photographer at our our Christian school. He was just talking with me and he made this statement. He said, I know I shouldn't tell you this. I know what the Bible says. But I've been fasting for over 15 days. I just wanted to tell you that. When he walked away, I thought, you're not getting a reward for that one. Because I didn't even know the man. I had just met him and 10 minutes later, he's telling me this. Because all I thought was, I wonder who else he's telling this for. The Bible says when you're fasting, what are you to do? Not to tell anybody. We just talked about fasting and praying last week, Sunday morning. But but look what he says in verse number 16. You don't need to disfigure your face. When you're disfiguring your face, you're asking for someone to ask what you're doing. Why do you look that way? What's going on with you? Come on, tell me. And then it says this, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. Look at verse number 17. But thou when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face. Don't act like you're doing anything different. And there are times in your life you should be fasting over things. But no one should know what you're doing. Because what's fasting about, it's about showing God how serious you are. And if you're telling other people what you're doing, you're not. It, it's being seen of men. And that's not what God wants you to do. Go, go verse number 18. But thou appear unto not, unto not unto men to fast, but unto the Father which is in secret, and the Father which seeth thee in secret. Look at this. Shall, what's the next word? Reward thee openly. Now, the last part, and I, I want you to get this. Point number two says, works equated with gold, silver, or precious stones will not be burnt up. Now we've already read this verse, but this is a verse. If you highlight any verse in your Bible, this is one to highlight because it, you understand why some people do this. Let's pick this up again. We've read this already, but I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter three and verse number fifteen is the one I really want to go to. But we're going to lead into it. Um, it says in verse number eleven, and we've read these four. For other foundations can no man lay that is laid, which is Christ. was Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. Now watch the next verse. It changes gear a little bit, and it says this. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. This is again saying he already has salvation. But there are going to be people up in heaven that only use Jesus as what? A fire escape. Who's somebody in the Bible we know that's going to be like that? The man on the cross. He didn't have any time to do anything for him. He's not going to have any works to give to him, but he's in heaven. And that's what this verse is talking about. All, all the things that we do, wood, hay, and stubble, they're going to burn up. You know what I want? I love the verses where it talks about we're going to be able to cast our, our crowns at his feet. And so we've got to see these rewards that we're getting and in these, in these, um, these crowns that we get. So I want to say this with the rewards before we get into it. This is not all of them. These are the ones that I found in there and looking at some other works. There are many works listed in the Bible to do. There might be some that qualify for rewards, but these specifically say that you can get a reward for these. So the first reward is is letter A, rewards given for enduring persecution. Enduring persecution. As you're writing that down, I'll read Luke 6.22 for you. Luke 6.22 says this, and all these will say that, the, that you get a reward for them. Luke six twenty two says, blessed are, ye when, um, blessed are ye when men shall, shall hate you and when they, when they shall separate you from the, their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Here it's saying you're going to get a reward for being persecuted. You say, well, why is that? It just, it's, it's, that would be common sense with that. God's going to reward you for openly understanding that some people are going to say things about you. You just got to live with it. And so the next one, this, this is interesting, and we've already read these things, but reward for secrecy. You get a reward for being secret, and this is talking about giving. Praying and fasting. We just read those. You know, I always feel bad when, there's a couple times when the ushers have came by and I I give my tithe and I mean to flip it over and I don't. I don't want people to see what I give. You know, it's not what other people see. And of course, Jim's going to see it and deacons are going to see it and whoever's counting back there is going to see it. But it's not for the usher to see. So often we want to be seen. Have you ever done something in secret for the right reasons? You know, maybe bought somebody a meal. You, you, you're, giving, you're giving of yourself. I, I remember a couple times we had a staff member in Illinois that didn't do well financially. And there's a couple times we went to this door, put his food, put food on, it, on his doorstep, rang the bell, and ran. We doorbell ditched with a good thing. you know, And they came out and there was bags of groceries on their, on their porch. You know, looking back at that, I don't know if I would have taken those groceries. You don't know where they came from. Do you eat food from places you don't know where they came from? Like those rolls, you don't know where we got those. But the Bible says if you fast, you pray, and you give in secrecy, you'll get a reward. There are people in this room that I know are giving people. I can think of, I, I know, a four or five right off the bat, boom, 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 that give all the time. Give of their time, give of their effort. And they, they all, there's one person that always says, now don't you tell anybody. Like, okay, I won't tell anybody. But the Bible talks about that, that we're supposed to we get rewards for secrecy. Okay, Matthew 10. Let's see if we can get this one. Everybody turn to Matthew 10, verse 41. I want you to turn to this one because we're going to look at this and understand what this says. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 41. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And verse number 41 says, He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Now this is translated into a reward for meeting the needs of pastors or preachers. We have these guys come in and we, we take up a special offering for them. You get rewarded for that. You get a reward for that, and you don't ever know what these guys are going through. A Bruce Fry going through, or um, a Cody Sturgill coming here. We don't really know what they're going through, but we can be a we can be a blessing to them, and God rewards us for doing that. Now everybody likes this one, Luke chapter six, verse thirty-five. Especially if you're a a child in here or a teenager, these are great verses. Luke chapter six and verse thirty-five. I always think of kids when I think of these, because so often. They get it, but I don't know if they want to get it. Luke chapter 6, verse 35 says this. It says, But love your enemies. Now, does that sound like an option? I mean, I'll love my enemies as long as they stay my enemies and they stay away from me. That's not what the Bible says. You know what you do with your enemies? You pray for them. You treat them kind. Why? You know what the rule is? I'll give you Wagner's rule on this. Number one, you want them to understand that God's in you. And number two, you don't want them to be your enemies the rest of your life. If you act like they do, you think they're going to be any better towards you? We've got to understand what this says. Keep reading in verse number um, 35. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hope, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be what? What's the next word? Great and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Does that not typify Christ? Look at that last part. It says, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Do you realize Jesus was even nice to the demons? You ever thought about that? The story where he sends them into the swine, they ask him, Don't destroy us, don't and what does he do? He is kind to them. Wonder what they thought of that. We're supposed to be different. And we get rewards for loving our enemies. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 7 through 9 rewards for planting and watering the gospel seed. You're not going to see fruit from everything that you do. But sometimes you're just watering it. Sometimes you are are actually reaping and you're planting some things in them that they'll forever remember. And you get rewards for that. Letter F. Rewards for preaching the gospel and winning souls. You get rewards for that. Now Go to Hebrews chapter 11. And this is letter G, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6. You say, well, that's a chapter of faith. It is, but it says in Hebrews chapter 11, we know this verse. It says, but without faith it is impossible to what? To please him. But watch this. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a, what's the next word? Rewarder. Of them that diligently seek him. So you get a reward in, 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 in point G, uh, uh, letter G, rewards for faithfully seeking after God with faith. You get a reward for being faithful. And I'm not talking about faithful to church. I'm talking about just being faithful and seeking His righteousness. And remember this, it's impossible to please Him without faith. But then when you do it, He's a rewarder of what you do. We've got to see that there's some rewards that God has Rewards are found throughout the Bible. Now we're going to look at crowns. Now, these are specific and nonspecific crowns found in the Bible, and there are six of those. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 9. There's a name for this one. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, you'll see it in the, in the text. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 24 through 27. It says in verse 24, Know ye not that they which run... In a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. Every one that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. I therefore so run, not as uh, uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body in subjection, bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. This is called the incorruptible crown you know what this is talking about? Just finishing the, the course that you have in front of you. So many people that quit. One thing I, I enjoyed about my parents is they never let me quit. I started something, I finished it. My last year I ran cross country for two years. I ran one the first time. I ran... The first year, because in, as a ninth grader, my basketball coach was the cross-country coach. I thought, man, he'll like me if I run cross-country. Well, he no longer was my coach my second year, and I, and I started running, and I thought, oh, man, this is ridiculous. I don't know if I want to do this. And I didn't care about Coach Willard anymore. I had Coach Sample. Coach Sample was going to be my coach. I didn't care about him. He was my driver's instructor. I'll just drive really good and forget the cross-country. So I, I ran one meet, and I said, Mom, I, I, mom and Dad, I don't think I can do that anymore. My mom looked at me and said, you're not quitting. You're going to keep running. And I was like, I don't think you understood what I said. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And she said, I don't really care what you do. You're going to finish what you started. And it was not the easiest thing to do because I was playing football at the same time, same season. remember one particular game, our, we, ran, we, we, played, we played a half game of football, and in halftime we ran a cross-country meet. And then I had to run, play the second half of football. I was not very good that second half of football. And I could th- I would sit there and go, Mom, why did you do this to me? But you know what? I look back now and I'm thankful that she didn't let me quit. So often we quit so easy. And God does not want us to quit when it comes to righteous things, an incorruptible crown. I want to get that. I don't know what that means yet, but I want to get it. And the Bible says you get an incorruptible crown. Um, Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Anybody know what this one is? What? A what? A joyful crown. But this is also, there's another way you can say this. um, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in in my Lord, so dearly beloved. This is a joyful crown, but it's also considered a soul winner's crown, because that's what he's talking about in the context here. But you know what? We can be joyful through it. Amen? Amen. And if you want to know one thing you're supposed to be, and you hear me talk about it all the time, go to First Thessalonians chapter 2. Tell me what this crown's for. First Thessalonians 2, verse 19. What is that one? What? I'm hearing somebody say it. Rejoicing. <laughs> Look at this. It says... For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For ye are our glory and joy. So we get a crown of rejoicing. There's a lot of people that are not very happy sometimes. That's why the Bible says that in Matthew chapter 5 and chapter 6 it talks about when you're persecuted. You can, still be, you can still rejoice in that. It's a crown of rejoicing. God wants us to be happy with where we are. Paul writes in Philippians, you read all Philippians and you think, oh my word, this man is just incredible. And then he's even more incredible when you figure out where he was where he wrote it. The book of Philippians was written when he was in jail. And yet he still wrote it to this church and everything he says, one of the things he says, I can do all things through Christ who to me. I don't understand that. But I know God wants me to do that. And then he says he's content with whatever, whatever state he's in. He talks about the things he needs to think about. How his mind goes. And you go all the way through these verses in Philippians and you understand that God wants us to have rejoicing in our life. So we have the crown of rejoicing. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Just a couple pages over. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Says... Henceforth there is laid up for me, now this is one that most people know, a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. The crown of, the crown of what? The crown of righteousness. That's what he wants us to have. He wants us to get this and understand it. Letter E, he has the crown of life in James chapter 1 and verse number 12. James chapter 1 verse number 12 says this, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. What is this talking about? The crown of life is referring to when temptation comes and you don't adhere to it, and you go back to righteousness. That's the crown of life. So all these things, and we got one more and we'll get to it in just a second. We've got all these things that God wants us to do that we can cast these crowns back at His feet. It's almost like wages when you get paid at a job. You know, you do a job and then you get, you get to give things, you get to do things with that money and this is what we're going to do with this. We're going to get these rewards we're going to get these crowns and we get to cast them at His feet. They're the gold, silver, and precious stones. What happens to wood, hay, and stubble? We know what happens to hay and stubble. It goes away. Wood can last a little bit longer, amen? But it'll eventually fall apart. I was walking on our back deck the other day. This has nothing to do with my weight either, okay? I stepped on one and the board bowed a little bit. And so I went, just kind of pushed down on it, and when I did, it snapped. Thank God I was not on a, on a deck that was way up in the air. It just I went about a foot, and my foot hit the ground. Those boards went shooting underneath the, underneath the thing. I looked at them, and they were all rotten. So all I did is pull that one board up, put another one down, and it's solid right now. But you know what's going to happen eventually? All those boards are going to have to be torn down. I cut it up into small pieces. And um, I had a fire going because I was burning all the sticks in my backyard. And I put that wood that was that was really high, pri- probably at a time it was high prices, pressured wood. When I put it in the fire, you know what happened to it? It burned all up. Just because it wasn't a stick doesn't mean it was going to. It was wood hay or stubble. It all burned up. Everything's not there's p- parts of my deck now that I walk now. I'm scared to death of it. I walk in certain areas that I know that can uh, that can absorb my weight. Amen. But wouldn't you like to be able to throw something down at Christ's feet? After everything He's done for us. Because truly He's our, He's our Savior. Which means He saved us from where we were going to go. And yet, He gives us the privilege to give to Him crowns back to Him for what, what He's done. I think there's a song in the hymnal called A Pile of Crowns and it's interesting Interesting song of how, you can, how we get to throw all, cast all our crowns at his feet. There's one more, and I think it's called the crown of glory. Letter E, that letter F, and that's 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. First 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 through 4 says this, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight. Thereof, not by constraint, but willing, not of filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall re- ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. This is actually referring back to preachers, that you get a crown of glory, if you do it right. Now remember, going back to this, that God sees the intent of our heart. He knows what we do. And we could pull the wall over everybody's eyes in this world, but God sees it. Let's look at these verses at the very end and we'll be done. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27 says this, Know ye not, they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. You know what I like about this? It shows that there's winners. Don't you get about sick when you go see some of these sporting events and they don't want anybody to say who's winning? That just bothers me. My daughters played T ball and I kept score when they played. I had one lady in the stands that was irate at me. We're not playing to see what the score is, we're just playing. I looked at her and said, You might be just doing that way, but I'm keeping score. I wanted my daughters to understand there was a reward for finishing and a reward for doing this. You know, I've given those awards out at Sports Banquet, Most Improved. You know what that means sometimes? They were terrible to begin with. And I wanted to encourage them, but I wanted them to understand that they could get better. But you know what? God sees everything that we do. You know what? There were some awards that I got, I thought, man, these are great awards to have. Man, there's some rewards and trophies that I kept, and others I thought, man, I just got a participation award. That's not what I want. Not in a Christian walk, I don't. I want a reward that means something, has some sustainability to it. Look, and it says, Every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now, they do it to obtain an incorruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Here, the Bible's talking about the world does things to get notoriety. We've got to do the notoriety to God. Ours is an incorruptible crown. They'll get their glory. God wants us to do it for the right thing and go to the next one it says I therefore so run not as uncertainty so fight I not as one that beateth the air and everybody knows what that means if you've ever seen a boxer prepare for a fight what do they do? Shadow box I have yet to see someone in a shadow box fighting match get knocked out because you're not fighting against anything Now there's a reason why they do that. They get their heart rate up and they they start doing some punches. They're thinking about combinations that they do. But you're not going to get knocked out because you don't have an opponent. But as a Christian, guess what? You have an opponent. And he's fighting everything you possibly can. He's trying to knock you out, trying to get you where you are discouraged. That's why Paul always talks about the mind. You've got to get your mind, you've got to get it alert, understand what's going on and you've got to fight for what's right. Look at the last verse. last verse says this at the bottom of your page. It says, but I keep under my body and bring it under subjection. What's this talking about the flesh? Our flesh is weak. Now remember, God likes weak because through His weakness, because of our weakness, we become strong through Him. But it says, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I don't know about a castaway with you. I I don't want to be a castaway. I don't want to be cast out and away. I don't want that. One day we're going to stand before God. And you know what I want? I want some rewards and I want some crowns to cast His feet. I don't want to see my life, no matter how long I live, I don't want to see it in front of Christ and Him Put all my works in there. Remember, my salvation's already settled. I'm at the Bema seat. He's judging me and I throw everything in there and all of a sudden there's nothing left. What am I going to say to him? I've done my best. Have I? I've done that? No, I've not done my best if that's it. My best is everything I possibly can for him. My Bible tells me that I am supposed to be like Christ. So it's to think like him, be like him, and if you are, you will get rewarded. What happens with those rewards and those crowns, you get to receive them and then you get to give them right back to him. And say this is not I didn't do this for me. And I wrote this down. It says this. It says there will come a realization at the bema seat that it was not we who did well, but Christ that lived and worked in us. And that's why we'll give it back to him. Because it was nothing that we did. Everything we've done for ourselves will be burnt up. Everything that we've done for Him, we'll get to give, and we'll get to give it back to Him because it's His anyway. So that's what the beam of seats about. It's a judgment for Christians, but it's not got to do with life or death. It's got to do with our works. Now remember the verse, not of works lest any man should boast. That's talking about salvation. But it means we're still supposed to do stuff. What does God want you to do? Are you doing it? Because he takes an accurate record, good or evil. And I don't want all my works to be burnt up. And I want to say this. I don't think there's ever going to be a time when we see Christ, when we get there, that we'll look him in the eyes because we will understand who we are and we understand who he is. There'll be a time when we will be able to and we'll be judged and we won't look at him in a cocky, arrogant spirit at all. We'll have to realize who we are and who he is. We serve a great God, don't we? And he allows us to serve him and he wants us to give back to him.